Welcome to the Brutal, Bizarre, and Boozy podcast. I'm Declan, the son. And I'm Jane, the mom. Enjoy a drink with us while we tell you some wild stories of the brutal and bizarre variety. Please keep in mind some of our stories might be upsetting to young or sensitive ears. This is the podcast where we talk about brutal crimes, bizarre occurrences, and get you drunk with cocktails themed around one of our stories. To lighten things up, we like to end our time with a chaser. All righty, Jane, what story do you have for us today? So I will be telling you the brutal tale about Maximiliano Esparza and the fateful run-in that he had with two nuns. Uh, This is a hometown story as it happened right here in lovely Klamath Falls, Oregon. What uh, story will you be telling us? today Declan and what is the drink that you're bringing to us so today I have the bizarre story of the disappearance of Elisa Lamb and go with that story uh, I chose the cocktail by the name Clover Club it's got some weird measurements I don't I don't know what this guy was thinking but it's one and two-thirds ounce gin Five sixths ounce lemon juice, two thirds ounce egg white, and one third ounce raspberry syrup with a garnish of raspberries. The when I saw this recipe, I was like, "Did he not have like a normal measuring tool?" So I eyeballed it because I wasn't about to try and figure out like where the five sixth of something is on my measuring cup so yeah uh, i i don't have a measuring cup that breaks ounces down into quarters so or sixth for that matter and i looked up another recipe because i was wondering uh some of the rest of the directions and they were normal measurements just so you know so it's not all of the measurements were weird yeah i was gonna like pick one of those other ones because there I saw one that was like two ounces of gin and like one ounce of lemon juice and it was like more normal but this yeah. cocktail is specific to the story okay uh well, so let's give this a little taste test I okay. went very light on my egg I did less than two-thirds ounce because that just seems weird but it's very frothy it is frothy and I, like I, I don't know. I made this a couple minutes ago, and now the froth is sitting all on the top, and it's not mixed in. So uh, I don't know what that means. Gulp of eggs. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's so gross. I, I'm trusting you on this with the egg white. I don't taste the egg white too much. I taste a lot of gin. I taste a lot of gin too. Oh, that is so strong. <laughs> and I went to the store specifically to buy pasteurized egg whites because you know you can get them in a carton. Mm-hmm. And because I thought, well, maybe that'll be safer and bad things won't happen to me. And I did not read the entire label and I bought egg product. And when I opened it, it was yellow. So I'm assuming there's egg yolks oh. in there too. So I didn't get to use that. Don't tell me you bought just eggs. No, I didn't. Okay, okay, good. I don't know that what shit it was. Is gross. I didn't buy it. Um, 
I didn't end up using it. I ended up having to use one of my eggs from the refrigerator. So it's from a farm. It's not pasteurized. So if I get sick, I'm blaming it on you, man. Okay. <laughs> I It was really hard to find a drink that went with this story. So I was grasping at straws. I like the creaminess of the froth. But I think I could have used more raspberry syrup in mine because it's so ginny. I cheated and I bought my raspberry syrup. So it's more of it's like a something you'd get at Starbucks. Okay. The stuff they pour on the sides in their fancy drinks. Mm, Yeah, yeah, I probably should have used something like that. I made my raspberry syrup and it's not super raspberry and not super Mm. sweet. Okay, so that might be a failed drink for me. I I might vote <laughs> Our that first a failure. failed drink. Okay. Yeah, that's not too bad for all <sighs> the the episodes we've done, and this is the first yeah. failed one that I'm like, nope, don't need to do that again. That's funny. Well, let me tell you the history behind this drink. Okay. The Clover Club can be traced back to the late 1800s and the Philadelphia Bellevue. Stratford Hotel. This popular bar drew in all sorts of businessmen and travelers. The drink lost its popularity for a while before it was revived by Cecil Beaton in his famous cocktail books. And my connection between the cocktail and the hotel, the Cecil Hotel, is where Elisa Lamb disappeared. And the person who brought this drink like back into popularity was named Cecil. So gotcha. good that's tie my connection. It good was very connector. hard to find a drink that connected to this story. Like I was trying to look for famous cocktails from the Cecil hotel, but I don't think they, they have anything in any review book that says they're good. Right. Yeah. yeah. All right, mom, let me tell you the story of Elisa Lamb. Okay, I am ready. If you've ever been to LA, you've definitely seen some strange things happen. The streets, the bars, and even the elevators are subject to strange activities. Today's story involves very strange activity at the Cecil Hotel in Los Angeles. The Cecil Hotel was built in 1924 by William Banks Hanner. Hanner spent $1 million, roughly $17 million in today's money, to build this 700-room hotel with the intention of housing international businessmen. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot of rooms. That is a lot of rooms. Due to the Great Depression, the area around the Cecil Hotel took a major financial hit and is now known as Skid Row. I like that band. I'm guessing it's not the same thing, though. I I don't think you want to go see this Skid Row. Maybe I you do want to go not. see the band, but not this in, Skid Row. In the original lineup, not the current one. They've changed, like, bandmates? Yeah, they did. They don't have the same lead singer, so it's not the same band, in my opinion. But moving on. Yeah, that, 
That's the most important part of the band, I think. I that think the drummer. so. Most <laughs> bands. Yeah. In the 1930s, six different suicides took place at the hotel. Oh, that's in a 19- lot. Yeah, a lot more than most hotels, I'd imagine. I would think so. Now I want to know, like, the suicide rate for other hotels, weirdly. You got to count Vegas out, though. Vegas has an oddly high proportion because people well, gamble their family's life, like, inheritance away. That's true. That's true. In 1944, Dorothy Jean Purcell woke up in the middle of the night with stomach pains. She went to the bathroom to avoid waking her sleeping husband and gave birth to a baby boy right on the bathroom floor. She had absolutely no idea that she was pregnant, which I find hard to believe. I I, do as well. If you're pregnant enough for a baby to come out, you got to be pretty pregnant. Most people, it's pretty noticeable. Yes, I agree. For some reason, she thought, the baby was deceased, so she decided to throw it out of the window of her hotel room where it sadly <sighs> passed away. Oh my gosh. That's oh that's a lot terrible. of mental illness going on there. That, that's yeah. All I, can say. I oh that's so sad. In 1962, 65 year old George Gianni was killed by a woman jumping out of a ninth floor window. While suicides and other strange things have taken place at the Cecil, it also housed famous serial killer Richard Ramirez during his killing spree. And I, I, I want to step back for just a second and go back. Okay. A guy was killed because somebody jumped out of a window and landed on him, I presume? Yes. Oh George, my gosh. He was just walking down the street right in front of the hotel. Some woman had decided to take her own life by jumping out of the ninth floor window and just so happened to land on top of him, killing them both. I guess that that's your fate coming and telling you it's really your time. I mean, what are the odds timing? wise? At least like yell cannonball or something. Get people <laughs> out of the way. Cannonball. <laughs> yeah, well, that. Yeah. Yeah. That would be better than four. Yeah, just you know, in. on a golf course. <laughs> While there are many strange cold cases from the Cecil Hotel, from Goldie Osgood, which you guys can look that up if you would like, it might end up becoming another uh, brutal ep- like part of an episode. But Ooh. from Goldie yeah. Osgood to the Black Dahlia, today I'm focusing on the bizarre case of. 2013 college student Elisa Lamb. Guests of the Cecil Hotel had complained about bad water pressure and bad tasting water. I don't want, I, oh, okay. You already know where this is going. Yeah. Yeah. I, maintenance from the hotel made their way to the roof to check on the issue. When they opened the water tank, they were hit with a foul smell. And when they looked inside, they would see something they would never forget. Inside the water tower sat Elisa Lamb. Ugh. She was naked, floating face up in the water. She had been dead for weeks now. Oh, there's so many things wrong with that. Showering, drinking. All the guests were drinking water oh. that a dead body was sitting in. 
you're brushing your teeth with that water you're oh okay yeah hotel management checked the security cameras when they were absolutely baffled and slightly horrified i think they should be more than slightly okay well for everyone watching look up the pause the the podcast or the video right now and go look up the elisa lamb elevator video and this this will all make more sense in the video elisa lamb is seen walking into the elevator at the cecil once inside she hides in the corner of the elevator like kind of where the buttons are she crouches down she's seen like messing with the buttons uh she quickly peeks out of the doors check the right and left of her before hiding back in the corner again she does this for a few minutes before she steps out of the elevator to yell at someone or something in the hallway. While she's talking, the elevator door closes and immediately opens, but she was already gone. Ooh. Yeah, just... Weird. It, it, it seemed like someone from the outside was just pressing the button over and over again because the elevator wasn't moving up and it just kept opening and closing for like three or four cycles. Oh, yeah. Uh, did they February... have any footage? Uh, sorry, did they have any footage from the hallway? They did not. They just had elevator footage. Oh, OK. Yeah. On February 19th, 2013, Santiago Lopez went to check on the water tank after reports of blackened colored water and foul oh. smells. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just imagine mm. you fill up your cup and it's just like mm. gray water. Nope. Nope. That is when he found the body of Elisa Lamb. There was no evidence of physical harm, sexual assault, or suicide. She had no drugs in her system and had a blood alcohol content of 0.02, which is less. It, it's like you smelled a glass of wine. The main question at hand is how she got into the water tank. The tank she was found in was eight feet tall, propped up on cylinder blocks, and the maintenance crew had to bring a ladder to even get access to it. Oh. Lamb's case went on to inspire an episode of Castle called Watershed. So I just had a really dark thought. What's that? Well... Our drink today, you could kind of think that it's dark and oh no, colored and, Wait. and there's foam on the top of it. Oh, I'm sorry, no. everyone. What? How did you even connect that? That's I don't gross. know. I don't know, but <laughs> you can cut this part out if you don't want everyone to be grossed out like I just am. <laughs> Oh, yeah, we got oh. a floater over here. Oh, oh stop. Oh, oh that, gross. that's awful. Just yeah, awful. So that's the story of Elisa Lamb. And if you ever are staying at a hotel anywhere and the water is not clear and tastes good and smells like water, please call maintenance. Right. <laughs> Don't wait a couple of days. Yeah. Oh, gosh well now i wonder like how many hotels have i stayed in where i always just assumed 
a hotel would have would not have a water tank like why would they have a water tank you just get the city water and it's piped in from i don't know where the water comes in from but i wouldn't think that there would be a tank of water anywhere on the property built in the 20s maybe they had different oh like plumbing systems yeah why wouldn't you switch that over though eventually i don't know the hotels on skid row i'm assuming they're not getting too many customers that's valid (laughs) they probably don't have enough money to like renovate the hotel good point good point imagine you're staying there for like a week and then water's tasting bad as soon as you get there and the cops show up you see six cop cars out front Ugh. Ugh. and then you're like what happened like don't drink the water i don't think i would want to know i think i would just want to leave and be done and and be none the wiser you'd find out though because it'd be on the news everywhere oh for sure wait i think i was there at this time (laughs) yeah but i don't think i would want to know i think knowing would be the traumatic part exactly yes for sure All right, mom, tell us what you got in store for us on the brutal side. Okay. This story is coming to you from our small town, Klamath Falls, Oregon, and is about our small town, Klamath Falls, Oregon. So it it always amazed me growing up here. When you talk about other places to people in town, you say, oh, I went here. And if it's not something that's like a big city, Las Vegas or Los Angeles or Seattle. Sometimes people don't know what you're talking about. And when I would go to, when we lived down in California, people would ask where you're from. I would say, oh, it's a small town in Southern Oregon. And they're like, oh, where? And you tell them Klamath Falls. And they're like, oh yeah, I've been through there. Like how? I have experienced that too. Every time I meet someone, they either know exactly where it is and have driven through it, or they know someone who used to live there. Yeah, it's weird. It's Climate Falls is a cursed place. I agree. And we might find out one of the reasons why right now. Okay, perfect. So Climate Falls is a small town in southern Oregon, about 17 miles north of the California border. On the outside, the town looks like a peaceful and quiet place. However, this town has a fairly high crime rate, especially for violent crimes. It actually ranks ninth in the state. And its crime rate is more than 27% above the national average. People that live in Klamath Falls probably don't find these statistics very surprising, but outsiders are usually shocked at the numbers. Because of the outward appearance, visitors might think they are safer than they really are. A prime and tragic example of this occurred in 2002 in the midnight hours on a public path to two devout Catholic women. Sister Helen Chaska, 53 years old, and Sister Linda Schoenhofen, 52 years old, were in Klamath Falls spreading the word of their church. Uh, little side note right now, I'm going to 
probably not say these names right, a couple of them, including that last one. Not sure how to pronounce uh, Sister Linda's last name. So I apologize if I got it wrong, but I'm doing my best. I'm pretty sure every brutal story I've done has been out of the country. So I've fucked up all the names, but... (laughs) Well, this is in the country and I'm still probably (laughs) fucking up the name. So I apologize. I hope no one uh, finds this disrespectful because it's not intended to be. The two nuns, uh, Sister Helen and Sister Linda, were members of an Orthodox Catholic-based church that were known to sell dolls or statues and religious literature in public places like grocery stores as part of their missionary endeavors. A little side note and tangent of interest about the church the nuns belong to. I found this really interesting when I started looking into this case. Uh, The nuns were not affiliated with the Roman Catholic Church, but belonged to a church known as the Tridentine Latin Rites Church, which was considered an Orthodox Catholic Church, but was not affiliated with the Vatican. So I don't know much about religion, and hearing this story, everyone just said, oh, it was a Catholic nun. I didn't realize that there were different types of Catholic nuns, but here's some information about it. So uh, as I said, they belonged to this other church. The name of the church changed several times due to problems associated with, with the leader, So the actual name of the church at the time of the incident might have been different. There were several reports I read that had that name, the Tridentin Latin Rites, but there were others that had different names. So I don't really know for sure that that was the name. I went with the most commonly referenced name and that was it. Um, Uh, The leader of the church was Francis K. Schuchart, and he was believed by many people to be a cult leader rather than a truly religious man. One woman who was previously a member of the church was quoted as stating that it was actually a cult. Schuchart belonged to Catholic churches in Washington state and was a high-ranking administrator, but was removed from the church in the late 1960s when he rejected the Vatican. So, In the late 1960s, apparently the Vatican decided to relax some of their rules about what nuns were supposed to wear and how to perform ceremonies and things like that. And this guy didn't agree with it. So he basically said, I don't I don't believe what the Vatican is doing. So they kind of kicked him out of the Catholic Church. Um, he later formed different Catholic based churches in the Pacific Northwest, but moved the locations around to different cities and states repeatedly. Like he was in Idaho at one point, he was planning to move the church into Canada and different parts of Washington. Um, in 1984, the church was located in Washington state and the leader Schuchart was accused of sexual assault by numerous individuals within his church and others accused him of financial misconduct and drug use. Mm. After the accusations, he left Washington and moved his church to California. True Christian man. (laughs) Right. Uh, 
a couple of years after moving to California, he was arrested on drug charges and possession of stolen property when the police raided his residence. Damn. Yeah. So somebody, I guess, tipped him off and said, this guy's got some stuff and they raided it and arrested him. Uh, They eventually returned the property and Shukar agreed to enter drug rehab and the charges were all dropped. The church eventually relocated. Huh? Well, that's kind of on that note. Did you see the, the new bill that Chicago passed? No. Oh, well, they, they kind of made like a purge thing. Oh, oh, then I don't want to go there. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Basically, if you didn't commit first degree murder, then you just get let out. No bond. Mm. Like I second degree murder, like ag- aggravated DUI, like all this shit is just you just get let out and released if you're in Chicago. Oh, Okay, well, yeah, let's not go there. That's yeah, that sounds scary. Uh, The church eventually relocated to Bellevue, Washington, and that was the location when the attacks occurred in Oregon. So that's my tangent over. Just thought it was a little interesting bit of information. Um, But some of it does relate to why these nuns were doing the things that they were doing when they were doing them. So that's a weird little connection. The part of my history of my drink was uh, the Bellevue hotel. Oh, and they were in Bellevue, Washington. Mm -hmm. We double connected. So fun. The nuns had been in Klamath Falls for a few days and were taking a walk on the bike path near the canal and the baseball stadium. So, because you know the town, um, it was right by Kiger Stadium. Okay, yeah. Yeah. It's on the, by the canal. Yes. Uh, they were conducting walking prayers, wearing traditional religious habits at 2 a.m. on Sunday, September 1st. Apparently, it's common practice for members of their church to spend time in the late night or early morning hours focused on prayer. So doing a walking prayer at 2 a.m. was not uncommon practice for them. Might not have been uncommon for them, but it's kind of strange for most people to be out walking a bike path. Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird bike path for anyone listening. It's very. It's dark. Yes. For one. No lights. (laughs) No, nothing. It literally goes through fields and there's not even in that area. There's no homes nearby. There's no businesses nearby. It's dark which is nice and peaceful and you probably wouldn't expect to find anyone else on the path, but sadly they ran into someone that we're going to talk about right right now. While the Uh, nuns were, Mm -hmm. you got that time limit, right? Yep. Just saw it. You can you finish your story in that time? Yep. Okay, cool. While the nuns were saying the rosary during their walk, they encountered a man that was later identified as Maximiliano Esparza. Maximiliano Esparza arrived by train in Klamath Falls at the end of August 2002. He checked into the local rescue shelter under a false name and spent one night there. And That's weird for the homeless to just go to Klamath. (laughs) Well... 
that's a shitty place to be homeless i would really cold there yes but this was in august so it was hot yeah only like two more months before it starts getting freezing right um now his name in almost all of the articles was listed as asparza but when I looked him up on the offender website for people incarcerated, it was actually listed under another name. And Asparza was an alias. So mm. I don't know if he changed it after or I don't know. But we're going to call him Asparza because that's what 99% of all of the articles called him. Mm. Uh, so the next couple of days, he went about looking for work. He was able to find a temporary job working on the bleachers at a neighboring town's high school. On Saturday night, Esparza was riding a bicycle on the bike path when he crossed paths with the nuns. He attacked the women and proceeded to physically assault both of them by punching them numerous times. He then used the rosary beads they were wearing to choke them and subdue them while he raped each of them. Do you know at what point? On the bike path, this took place. You said it was over by Kaiser, right? Don't, I, everything I saw said it was between the canal and near Kiger Stadium. Okay. Yeah. Sister Helen died at the scene due to her injuries, and the rosary beads were left embedded in her neck. Sister Linda was able to walk back to their hotel and request help. She was taken to the hospital for treatment of her injuries. And she was able to provide a description of the suspect, which led to his arrest less than 24 hours later. Esparza was charged with over a dozen crimes, and the district attorney was considering seeking the death penalty. However, Esparza pled guilty, and the death penalty was dropped in favor of life in prison without the possibility of parole. He was convicted of murder, attempted murder, and rape. And... He is still in prison. Yay. Good. A little over uh, a year, a little over a year after the attacks, a local playground was developed and dedicated to Sister Helen. And a couple of her family members were able to be present at the dedication and thank the community for their support. And that is my brutal story. It's crazy. Oh, no. They don't, they should teach that at the history classes in the high schools in Klamath. I mean, well, it's pretty dark history. I think a lot of people just kind of want to think that it didn't, you know, just put it out of their minds and make it something that is forgotten. And I mean, it's That's horrible. Klamath, though, like, it of is. Course it took place there. That, yeah. It just makes me wonder because of the outward appearance, because it's a small town, because it looks calm and nice on the outside, but the locals know this is a dangerous town. There's bad stuff that happens here. I mean, it's, it's kind of nice that it wasn't a local that committed the crime, but locals commit crimes here a lot. That's why we have such a high crime rate, but yeah, when for my uh, senior project, which I think is, I think it's an Oregon thing, but in high school, you have to do a senior project. And uh, mine was going, 
going on a ride along and talking about like the police in Klamath Falls. And on my ride along, there was a high speed chase. So that just tells you like what the what kind of crime goes on there. Right. I got taken down by the canine unit and everything. I would have loved to seen that. Oh, I, I want to see. I've got that. such good pictures of it. It like because oh. my the guy I was riding along with, he had to get his uh service rifle, the AR fifteen, and just like he was sitting on the hood watching the field where the guy ran off to, and I got to see the canine like take him out, and the, all the cops ran through the field and grabbed him. It was pretty did cool. You, did you get any pictures of the canine takedown? No, I was kind of nervous. <sighs> I was like, I. I don't know if this is if I'm allowed to just take pictures, but I right, could have just said it was for a school project. Right. On a side note, I also saw some dude get arrested at uh, Safeway the other day. So much fun. Yeah. And you're not here and you're in another small town. Well, exactly. Not really yeah. I mean, it's it's fairly small for for town wise, but it's not it's not as small as Climate Falls. But yeah, no. it's pretty funny. You could hear the guy screaming throughout the whole store while they were like pinned on him. Ooh, so much fun. <laughs> yeah. So, Declan, why don't you lighten the mood with a happy little chaser for us today? I wouldn't say my chaser is necessarily lighting the mood. Uh, I have another recommendation of something to watch. It's a brand new show on Hulu called The Patient with Steve Carell as the main character, which is kind of interesting. I I haven't seen him in too many dramatic roles other than like a, a war movie kind of. But yeah, I. He gets kidnapped. He's a therapist who gets kidnapped by uh, one of his patients who who likes to kill people and he's trying to not kill people. So he's go- seeking therapy, but in the worst way. <laughs> I want to watch this show so badly, but I am waiting for it to all come out every episode so I can binge it hardcore and not have to wait because I'm betting based on the the commercials i've seen for it that there's going to be some like tense moments at the end where you're just waiting to see what happens and then the episode's over and you have to wait i hate cliffhangers so i'm just gonna wait until it all comes out oh yeah almost every every episode ends on a cliffhanger i can't wait that long without that much anticipation and and stress no i'm just gonna wait I know I shouldn't have started it yet. I I saw it like a couple months before it was came it came out. They had some trailers out and I saw the trailers and I was like, oh, I really want to watch that. And then I just like a, a couple months later, I got distracted. I was like, damn, I can't find anything to watch. I've seen everything that looks good. And then I, I just thought of that. But it was like on episode three. So I watched three episodes and then I was hooked and I was like, shit, I just got to keep watching it every week now. <laughs> I can't binge I, it anymore. Yeah, I hate that. I'm just going to wait. And I think I looked it up on IMDb. I think I'm going to have to wait until like November or something, which is so tragic. But Shit. I'll just watch other stuff. Yeah, it, 
it's it's got me reeled in. But the okay. the the time that they post it every week is super annoying. It's at nine o'clock at night on Monday night. Mm. Yeah, who who's staying up that late on Monday night? Not me. <laughs> yeah. Not me. I'm long sleep by then. So you gotta either wait or stay up late. So I right. Well, All I hate right. to tell you this, Declan, but back in the day, we weren't even able to binge those kind of things. You had to record it. Oh, I remember. I remember watching uh, Chuck on DVR every weekend. Or, yes. No, it was every week. Yeah, we we used to have watching parties for, like, The Walking Dead. Like, I wouldn't say watching parties because it was just us, but... We all look forward to that day of the week just because it's like Walking Dead's coming out this week or Chuck's coming out this week. Like That makes me think that our friends that we do most of the watch parties with, I got to see if they want to watch this and then we'll have a little, that'll be our new show. Oh, yeah. Because we used to have the Dexter parties and we don't have anything anymore. I think that's going to be similar to uh, the one Gypsy Rose show on Netflix where they just had one season. I can't see them stretching this out into oh, really? one. Yeah. Well, but it, it could still be at least one season good show to have a watch yeah. party. As okay. I'll let you know as soon as the finale comes out and then you guys can have a watch party. Okay, sounds good. Well, but we do watch we do our watch parties as they come out and we wait like three or four weeks and then we store up three or four weeks and then we watch three or four episodes. Okay, two to three episodes, usually two episodes, because we get too busy talking that we can't watch more than that. You got to invite them over earlier and get day drunk. That's That's what me and my friend do. But then if we get day drunk, we want to go to sleep at 7 o'clock at night because we're old. Well, only Red Bull and vodka then for the day drinking. Yeah. No, thanks. (laughs) No, thanks. All righty, Jane. What chaser do you have for us this week? My chaser this week is some personal good news. I went to the doctor today and for I've been having these health issues off and on for months after we went to Mexico and I'd had it off and on before and they gave me a clean bill of health and they said, here's what's wrong and you just have to take this medication probably hopefully one time and then it'll be all gone and it's just a little bit of inflammation in my stomach and then this medicine should make it go away and if it does come back i know what it is and i can get another dose of the meds and then treat it and i won't have to go through all this testing again so i'm That's pretty fun. happy about that yeah it it's fairly rare from my experiences that doctors can actually help you and like tell you what's wrong and give you something that will help you that that can be true yes i was expecting them to say oh you have this chronic thing and you're gonna have to take this pill for the rest of your life and it's gonna gonna give you all these see us once a month and do in person checkups and yeah and you're gonna have to have 
all the side effects from this medication that's not really going to treat it so well and good luck treating those medication, you know, those side effects. So I'm super happy that, uh, that I finally got an answer. So yay. Nice. Happy for you. Thank you. Thanks for listening and supporting our podcast. We would love for you to follow us on your favorite podcast platform. And if you want to give us a five-star rating, we would forever be grateful. You can contact us at our email via thebrutalandbizarre at gmail.com or on our Instagram at thebrutal underscore bizarre underscore boozy.